Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of RL Talks. Sorry we took a bit of a hiatus last week. If it's one thing that we still keep forgetting, it's that we are still full-time shift workers. So sometimes our schedules get a little bit hectic. But we're back, and we are going to deliver this brand new episode about the five things that could possibly be holding you back. So again, pens and paper out, and let's take some notes. What's up, guys? We are back. We are both present. Like Mike said, sometimes our schedules get a little away from us, and that's okay. That's just life. So we are here, we have coffee, and we are ready to go. I think I might need a top up. I just pounded through that first cup. So. <laughs> Listen, we just got cozy and comfortable, and now you want to start this weird thing. Anyways, <laughs> all right, so... There's so many times that this conversation comes up, like, I don't know what I need to do, like, something I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing all the things and it's not working, and this, like, that's, like, like when you get stuck. Yep. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about when you get stuck and giving you some suggestions on where you could, like, level up in, in your journey and give you some direction on things that maybe you could spend a little bit more time focusing on and... Maybe this will bring to light, like, oh, like, I already do all of these things, but maybe it'll bring you back to the point where you're like, okay, where can I maybe do a little bit better? Where do I need to spend more focus? What could I be a little bit more in tuned with? Yeah, and I think, you know, we often talk about, like, your workouts, your nutrition, your recovery, and people say, well, my workouts are good, my nutrition's good, and I'm sleeping good. But there are some key pieces to the puzzle that we can't forget or we can't overlook. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is those little nuances, those little finer points that just don't involve the big three, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so while this list of five that we've come up with is not the be-all, end-all, there are lots of places, like like those finding tune moments, like... There's so many of them. And this is where you find the difference between, like, a competitive athlete and just a casual gym goer like we are. Like, the when you start to fine-tune these things, it feels, like, super overwhelming and it feels like a lot because you already feel like you're doing so much. You're already working out. You're already trying to pay attention to what you're eating. Maybe now you're starting to pay attention to your sleep. But, like, so those things are huge and daunting tasks in their own and... Now we're adding more, but before you get all overwhelmed with it, we're going to, I I really just want to challenge you to pick like one of these things to focus on for like a couple of weeks. Don't just focus on it like your next workout or like for the next like two days. Like these are, because these are like the finer tuned things, like these things you have to do over and over and over again. And you have to pay attention to them for like longer periods of time versus just, oh, I did it one day. Why is nothing happening? Like just like. You can't go to the gym once and expect to have abs. So, like, that goes for all of these things. So that's my challenge. I challenge you to pick one of these things, pick a set period of time that you want to pay attention to it for and really focus on it, 
before you move on and, and give yourself a good amount of time. Right on. So let's get into it. So we're going to start. These have no particular order. There's not one better than the other. Don't don't overthink this by any means. We just we wrote them down so we wouldn't forget them. And this is the order that they hit the paper. <laughs> because we've been forgetting a lot this morning. We already went through this. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with progressive overload. I have talked to not only like my clients recently, but like just people in general group fitness classes are still a whole space in the community. They're not bad. They're not like I'm not saying that in like a negative tone. Like it's just they're they're huge. Like group classes are massive. Yeah, and I think we need to like really first of all, like when we talk about group classes, I'm not talking about like the Zumba class cuz you can't really progressively overload like Zumba. <laughs> yeah. Or like a massive yoga class. Like, right. I mean, an instructor will take you through whatever they're feeling that time or whatever you signed up for. But when we're talking about group classes, we're talking about like those group fitness classes, right? Like music and barbells and, you mm-hmm. know. Um, like your F45 classes, your Orange yeah, Theory classes, like absolutely, all of these things. Absolutely. So right? that's what we're talking about when, we talk, when we're referencing group classes. So when we, so I'm referencing this because a lot of my clients are saying like, I work out in all of these classes, like I, I, I'm, I'm hitting because a lot of them have different like tracking devices now on like to like monitor your workout and stuff like yeah. that. They're like, I'm, I don't even know how they're gauged, but like I'm closing all my rings or I'm like hitting like the benchmark and stuff like that. But something that's not happening is like increasing your weights like in these group classes because they're already difficult. Yeah. Like for sure. Like it's like 45 minutes to an hour of pretty consistent movement, but we're not increase. We're not. We're like, we're just staying stagnant every week, every class. So progressive overload is is something we've talked about before in increasing your weights, increasing your rep schemes, decreasing your rest time. Well, a lot of these things are, might be out of your control, like based on like your coach or sorry, based on the instructor of the class. You also have the ability to like set your spin bike to a little bit higher or increase like dumbbells or barbell that you have picked up yeah and for you know you would hope that the instructor kind of already has progressive overload like into their programming like um i know crossfit gets a bad rap okay i personally don't hate crossfit i just don't foresee myself doing it and that's a personal preference but a lot of like CrossFit classes are going into progressive overloading week by week, right? Because that's what a good instructor does. Now, when you are doing multiple classes a day or multiple classes a week, that might get kind of lost in translation and that might might kind of go by the wayside because you're getting different people. You're not getting a core dedicated group of people sometimes. Sometimes you might get the introductory person coming in so it's kind of hard to really program pre-program progressive overload into these classes so then that's when you kind of have to take the reins a little bit and monitor your progress right like the class does a really good job at monitoring the the group class right they have 45 minutes or an hour to get shit done hammer these weights out and off you go but there's a personal responsibility to be like 
how can I improve week after week? What can I improve on? Yeah, they might have their rest times dictated. So maybe decreasing your rest times might not be might not be an adequate marker of progressive overload over overlord. <laughs> Jesus, D-Day. Fuck. <laughs> overload for you. But maybe increasing that weight, right? Instead of picking up the those 20-pound dumbbells, maybe you pick up 25s this week. And maybe 30s next week, right? Monitoring your progress is going to be very, very important because that's how we test muscles and that's how we increase work capacity. That's how we increase um, muscle cross-section size, like hypertrophy, um, and how we increase overall strength because we're tasking the central nervous system to activate those moving muscles that trigger those muscle fibers to fire. So we need to progressively, we need to increase that way. We need to push that limit a little bit more so that our central nervous system responds. Yeah, and I think it's super important, first of all, that you acknowledge that there's some personal responsibility in this. And I want to mention too, like I know, like I've done group fitness classes in the past and I know walking up to that class every single time I was like, I'm going to die. Like I know I'm about to get my ass kicked. And I think that's just like part of the mentality behind it. Like, you know, you're about to get like yelled at or pushed for the next hour. But if you've been doing the same classes with the same weights, like at some point you have to start also challenging yourself and kind of get over that mental hurdle of like, this is already going to suck. Like challenging yourself amongst the challenge of the group class itself with the instructor and like all of those things, like you 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 have the ability to choose your dumbbells like you yeah. have the ability to decide your weight and even if it is only two and a half pounds up that's two and a half pounds up from last week yep absolutely and one of the questions that i get clients to kind of ask themselves and i know this is a hard question to answer because like it takes a little bit of it takes a little bit of thinking and i know i've had to ask myself this multiple times is when i'm doing something i have to ask myself is this just making me tired or is this actually challenging me? Absolutely. And that is a big thing to remember. Like, I'm not saying that you need to reach absolute failure when you do these group fitness classes or when you pick up that barbell or dumbbell. You don't have to reach absolute failure. You don't have to reach that point where you're you're struggling to get that to squeeze out that last rep. But is it challenging you enough that maybe those last couple reps are a little bit slower than the first five that you did or the first eight that you did, right? Are you starting to slow down? Is that bar speed, that dumbbell speed starting to slow down a little bit? Is your form slightly deviating from per quote unquote perfect form? Because perfect because form is subjective. But is there a little bit of deviation? Are you challenging yourself or are you just breezing through these workouts and just Increasing your heart rate, increasing your respirations, and feeling tired. Yeah, closing your rings. Yeah, because <laughs> that's two different things. Challenging yourself and just making yourself tired are two different things because one is just getting activity and burning calories. The other one is actually building you up for progress. Totally. And these, like, well, we've started this conversation on, like, group fitness classes. Like, it's also important to acknowledge, like, if you don't do a group fitness class, if you are an individual worker, work outer, is that a word? If you work out by yourself, <laughs> um, this comes like this is super prevalent to you as well. And I think the reason that progressive overload when you're not working out in a 
in a group class situation can become challenging is because it's scary. Mm-hmm. Like, you are scared of that form breaking down. You are scared of failing your reps. You're scared of picking up that weight and going to do the exercise and being like, I actually can't even do one rep of these. Like, all of these things start to, like, yeah. flow through your mind. And I know even for me, like, when I start to up my weights, like, I have that fear too. Yeah. Or, or fear of injury. Like, that can go in there as well. But you can't sit at the same weight forever because your body's going to adapt to it. That's where this whole conversation goes to. Like, that's why progressive overload is important because you want to constantly be challenging your body. And, well, the biggest challenge I think actually comes from your mind and, like, you're, like, constantly underestimating yourself and not believing in yourself. Like, it's the the point of building muscle is to damage the muscle so that it can repair itself. And if your body gets comfortable, then... Yeah, and... Th- there are multiple, there are multiple, and I, I think this could be a podcast all on its own, but like there are multiple levels to this. Like there's so many things out there that, that offer just like nocebic advice. Like if you, it, it is thinking about a negative outcome and having a negative outcome happen because you are already thinking negatively about these things, right? So how many people say like, or how many things have you seen on social media? Like, um, if your form isn't perfect, like you need to go back and fix these and these things. No, like fuck you. No, like form is very subjective to the individual, and deviations from perfect textbook form are gonna happen in every single human body because we're not all built the same way. Because your form doesn't look like that Olympic lifter on the platform or that power lifter um, or that CrossFit athlete, because your form doesn't look like that, doesn't mean you're doing things wrong. It means that you're built differently, right? Or you learned differently. It's important to remember your cues, absolutely. It's important to remember the, 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 the simple mechanics of a lift, but form will oftentimes deviate. It doesn't mean you're going to snap your shit up. Yeah, I think form and the conversation around form is absolutely a topic for a whole entire podcast. Because yeah. it could... Th- there's such a misconception around it. So. Yeah. The point that we're trying to make is don't talk yourself out of it. Like, yes, it's going to be harder. That's the point. Yes, it might not feel or look exactly how you want it to look, but that comes with being in new territory. But you got to do it eventually. Eventually, you have to challenge yourself. Yeah. And you don't have to increase 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds. Oh, my gosh. No. That's not at all what we're saying. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. But the the, the key to progressive overload is just little drops at a time, right? Filling your cup one drop at a time. It, it might take a little bit longer, sure. But by doing it properly, we avoid stuff like injury, right? We're, we're, teaching, we're, we're teaching our body like proper load management. So we're preventing injury, we're strengthening those muscles, and we're strengthening our bones and ligaments, which is super important too. Like it's very, very important to, to do those. And you don't need to do that. 20 pounds at a time. Just five pounds is way more than enough. And this can go for the individual athlete, like the person who works out alone, or when you're going into a group group fitness class. Just focus on progressing little by little. And even if you don't, like if you sit down to do like a 15 rep exercise, like even if you don't get to 15, like if you've upped your weights and you don't quite get to 15, like if you crank out 10, that's 10 more than you thought that you could do. And next week, hopefully you'll get 12. 
maybe you'll get 15 after that. And mm-hmm. like, as you get used to it, it'll come. You might not be able to complete the whole exercise and with all the reps and the sets that you thought you could, especially because a lot, like our barbell weights are usually, like it's you don't really get like one pound at the gym. You know what I mean? And like, same with your, um, with your dumbbells, like your options are usually two and a half or five. So just try it, get comfortable underneath that weight. And maybe you'll surprise yourself. Maybe you, you will crank them out and you'll be like, oh shit, I've been slacking. Like I can actually do more. And then next week, do more. Yeah. And there's, there's a time and a place for following your program to a T, right? Following it to the letter. Like I'm going to do you know, three sets of 15. There's a time and a place for that. But if you are diving into this territory of progressive overload and challenging yourself, sometimes those rep set schemes are more like a guideline. I would rather someone do 10 solid reps and, you know, reach that point where they're starting to reach failure, but not quite, versus trying to squeeze out 15 poorly executed reps right? Because that way, if you are doing things properly and maybe reaching that point of failure, but you're testing that muscle with weight that you haven't touched before, that's super important. And you can build off of that. You can add one more rep per week, right? And again, that's still progressive overload. Yeah. This is where you see a lot of like the rep schemes where it gives you like a range, like you're doing like 10 to 15. If you can do the 15 and it's like, it's, I don't want to say easy, but like you can get through it and like, you, like, sure, do your 15, but that's your, also your opportunity to up your weight and be like, Hey, I'm going to even just aim for 12, or maybe I'm just going to aim for 10, knowing that I've increased my weights. If you have that rep range, like use it to your advantage. Don't use it as like a constant. I have to hit that high number because yep. that's why it's there is to give you that ability to feel successful at the end of your set because you've hit within that range while also giving you the ability to like start to increase those weights. So it's like, it's all about like, yes, a program is built for your muscles, but it's also a huge mental mind game. Absolutely. So the one thing that I do want to, you kind of touched on this, but I really want to like bring this back is like, if, if you are starting to progressively overload, if it's something, if this is what you decide to pick up as the challenge this week is like paying more attention to increasing your weights or, however you decide to do that, reps, rest, whatever, like longer distance, whatever that looks like for you. This is not your call to max out every single time. This is not your call to go from, if you're, if you were previously lifting your 20 pounds, this doesn't mean you suddenly get to go to like 65. Like progressive overload in the name, it is, it is slowly overloading slowly you're giving your body time to adapt so don't think this means that we're telling you to max out this week we're just simply telling you to add two and a half pounds we're telling you to add five pounds whatever that whatever is within your realm and again if you have been sitting at that 20 pounds and you decide to pick up the 25 pounds and you breeze through it that decision is up to you whether you want to maybe try 30 pounds or you simply just wait till next week because those that 25 pounds is new to you you were just surprised by how strong you actually are yeah maxing out is and you see this with so many new lifters so many younger lifters is that they just want to max out they just want to show that they can lift the most amount of weight right because they possibly can but 
maxing out every single week, reaching that point of absolute failure every single week is actually going to push you back in your progress significantly. Yeah. Because your body doesn't adapt. Your central nervous system doesn't adapt. You're not you're not increasing that work capacity. You are blowing out the cannon on the first go. And, like, you you still have to reload. Like, you still have to reload that. And it's, it's going to take time. I have an entire time. sex metaphor in my brain right I now. did, too, the minute <laughs> I said it. And I saw your eyes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I said, blow. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's how you want to use like, if that's the metaphor you want for this, like, hold on to it. And if you don't get it, well, I don't know if you should be on this podcast. Don't nut on the first go is what I'm saying. Exactly. Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for explaining. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, progressive overload. That's our chat. Like, that's number one that we've listed off on this. So our challenge to you this week is to add two and a half pounds, add five pounds, add an extra rep. Do that for a couple weeks. See where you end up. Next, next we've got NEAT, and we've been here before, and I don't think we can stress it enough because I was literally just talking to somebody the other day. Um, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so it's all good. I mean, shame on her, but now I'm going to throw her under the bus. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so we had worked out, and then I was like, hey, like, um, let's go for a walk. Like, I got to take the dog for a walk. And so we put our boots on, threw our sweaters on it was a little bit chilly and we start taking the dog for a walk and she's like this is a really long walk and I was like ma'am we haven't even been gone like five minutes like like and she's like what and I was like this is my short walk like this like this this is a short walk for me and I she was like well this like this is a really long walk like, this is a whole adventure and I was like how many steps do you do in a day she's like I don't know like I go to the printer on the far side of the office and stuff like that <laughs> and I'm like and you laugh but like for her at some point, that was increasing her need, right? Yeah. Like, if that's if that's the change that she made. And I absolutely support it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I'm like, and so I, she doesn't have a fitness tracker, which is fine. Not everybody does. Like, I, I don't give a shit. But, like, I was like, give me your phone. So she gives me her phone, and I open up, like, how many steps that she, like, on her phone. Like, obviously, it's not the most accurate because you don't always have your phone in your hand, like, whatever else. But it gives you a rough estimate. And I was like, ma'am, I was like, we, we got to increase your steps here. Like... She's like, oh, I'm not doing that. And I was like, honey, honey. Because we had literally just been having the conversation. She was like, I've really thought a lot about this. Um, and I think what I need to do is really hone in on my nutrition. And I was like, great. Like, and we started this conversation. She's like, I, and it led us into booking a discovery call. Like, it was a whole thing, which is fantastic. But at the same time, like, even just steps in her life would make a huge difference. Like, yeah. her average on her phone, again, it's not the most accurate, but the average steps that she has on her phone is one to 2000. And I like, for me, like I was like fantastic that she wants to talk about nutrition. I'm here for that. I love that. I love hearing it. I will talk about it all day, but she had this huge conversation with herself and really tried to like analyze like where she was slacking and where mm -hmm. she wanted to start making some shifts. And guys, like we can't stress it enough. Like getting your steps in is increasing your neat and neat can we, hold on, explain to people what NEAT is. Can we break it down real quick? Yeah, so NEAT is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So it is basically what you do for movement outside of just that hour-long, 45-minute-long 
workout, right? It's, it is it is stuff that you do on a daily basis that doesn't necessarily massively increase your heart rate or test your muscles. It just gets you moving. But it's what burns the majority of your calories in a day. Mm-hmm. Like your workout, sure, again, one hour, you're pushing your limits, you're pumping up your heart. Like sure, that you look down at your wrist and you're like, cool, I burned 500 calories. But you burn like a thousand calories throughout the rest of the day and you don't even realize it. Yeah. And that's where your neat comes in. And so if you increase your neat, that movement that you're doing outside of like your scheduled exercise, you're increasing the average of calories that you burn, basically doing nothing is because that's what you feel it as. So just to break it down further. So we have your basal metabolic rate. So how much, how much, how many calories you burn just by existing? Like as you sit and breathe, you burn calories, right? Your body needs to burn calories to survive right and then we have your non-exercise activity thermogenesis so your daily activity right whatever that looks like walking the dog walking to the bathroom blah 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 blah. fidgeting fidgeting right and then you have your exercise which is actually the smallest portion of calories that you burn and people don't realize that like the smallest portion of calories that you burn actually comes from resistance training from cardio training whatever your purposeful your exercise. purposeful exercise and while that has big ramifications or, or, or big consequences for your overall health it is actually a small fraction of the calories you burn especially if what you're looking to do is lose weight that is just the tip of the iceberg you have to look at the entire picture when it comes to losing weight which is when neat comes in it's what we're talking about right now. And this brings us back to like your body adapting. Like if you are working out five days a week in your one hour scheduled, whatever that look like, whatever your workout schedule looks like to you. And if you're not progressive overloading and you're just doing the same things every time you go to the gym, your body is going to adapt to that. Even if you still feel soreness, even if you still feel tired, yes, you're still burning calories. But if you increase the things that you're doing outside of that workout, like that is increasing the calories that you're burning. It's the same as progressive overload. If you are stressing out your body more, like we have to find ways to cause your body to be out of homeostasis. Yeah. That's that's a point of all of this. Yeah. Whether it's calorie deficit, working out, your neat, your sleep, like all of these things. Like you're trying to throw your body out of or back into homeostasis. Yeah. It, it's a constant flux, right? It's yeah. bringing it out of homeostasis to learn to adapt to bring you back to homeostasis. There we go. Thanks for getting me there. <laughs> So, yes, so we've talked about it before. We're really trying to emphasize the importance of steps because it's, and the reason that steps is the easiest thing for us to to focus on is because it's measurable on so many different ways, whether that's like how long you go for a walk or you're tracking on your phone or on your fitness tracker. Like there's so many different ways to track it, right? And it's the easiest. It's the simplest. All you got to do is like, if you don't, if you just want to pace around your house, like mm-hmm. that still counts as increasing your knee or you just throw on a pair of shoes and you just like walk around the block and then you walk around two blocks and like, yeah. And l- let's bring in some, some different examples too, right? Like how do we increase our knee without having to go for 10,000 steps? You can maybe cook a big meal, right? Instead of ordering, skip the dish for those in Canada, skip the dishes. <laughs> y- y'all know what it is for those not in Canada. skip the dishes like uber eats and other places in the country like food comes to your door right cook a meal have a dance party when you go to work take this and i remember a client of ours 
whose her only goal was to make it to the eleventh floor, taking the stairs. Oh. And she fucking crushed it. But she, she challenged herself every day to take those stairs at work. Yeah. Right. And you can do the same. Right. Yeah, it's exhausting, but afterwards you're gonna breeze through those steps. Absolutely. Right. Parking your car further away from the doors when you go to the grocery store. These are little things you can do to increase your need, and it takes little to no effort. Totally. If you are an office person, like the the like this the new trends, I guess. Like first of all, having a standing desk mm-hmm. that's going to increase your knee. Standing is it's going to use your muscles more than sitting. Um, the treadmill desk situation yeah. is becoming a whole thing. Like if that is your calling, if you have that space for it, like a you're increasing your steps, b you're obviously increasing your knee. Um, some people even like sit, like to sit on like a ball yeah. at their desk. Like yeah. it still counts. It's not like the best, like, but if you're just like have nowhere else to start, like you can absolutely start there. You're engaging your core for it. It's taking yeah. a little bit more work than sitting in a desk. But if you're doing it to improve your posture, like fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, spicy. Sorry. But again, conversation for another time. But posture, like because you, you slouch a little bit doesn't mean you're going to snap your shit up. Like, if you want to sit in a yoga ball while you're typing at your desk, by all means. <laughs> if that is, like, what your progression is going to look like, like, if you have nowhere else to go, have at her. Like, sure. Just, just we're slowly building these things in. Um, if you want to dedicate, like, 20 minutes of your day to doing that yoga or doing some stretching, something that's not just sitting on the couch, yeah. that's that's where we're at. So. Basically, increasing your need is just not being a couch potato. Not, and I, I mean, we all, we're all there. We have all been there. Where you, and I mean, it's Formula One season, baby. Woo! <laughs> like it's easy to it's easy to get lost in in your favorite TV show or sporting event and forget about that other shit. But you know that's why commercial breaks is, exist, right? Or maybe you don't binge watch your favorite season of a show on Netflix. Like maybe you go out for a walk. Like increasing your need is very important. Like twenty minutes is twenty minutes. Whatever you decide to do in those twenty minutes that's going to like significantly increase the amount of non-exercise calories you are burning. So maybe that's your challenge this week. Maybe your challenge is getting up from your desk once an hour. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting in a truck all day long, because we know that we are those people some days, getting out of your vehicle and moving around a little bit, like whatever it looks like, just like something that you do every day that is going to increase your movement, that is not purposely working out movement. Oh, shit, I do that all the time at work. I tell my partner I'll be right back and I go for a five-minute walk. (laughs) I was pacing outside the hospital the other day trying to get my steps in. I looked like a psychopath. (laughs) There was, like, a cop parked there, and he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm trying to get my steps in. Don't look at me. (laughs) Yes, so, all right, moving on. This is a big one. This is going to be a big conversation. So, tracking. Oof. And when I say tracking, I mean this can apply to pretty much, like, anything. But because we are, again, looking for that progressive overload in every aspect, you have to have that benchmark of, like, where you started and, like, how you can build on that. So I'm talking about tracking your workouts we have, I don't know how many freaking workout journals we have in this house. Which is funny because I used to not believe in tracking my workouts. And I would just be like, ah, fuck it. I'll figure it out. And 
again, I was stuck in that constant loop of never progressing. Because you would go to what was comfortable or you were like, oh, this is... I'll, I'll go back to what I know, start yep. with what I know, and then I'll add a little bit more. And then the next thing you know, like, you've actually been, like, pushing the same weight every week. Because yeah. it's difficult every week, but yeah. you're not actually pushing yourself any further. Exactly. Until I started tracking my workouts, that's when I saw the most progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was substantial progress. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you were able to benchmark, like, yeah. where you needed to go. So whether that is, like, a workout journal, you can take it to the gym with you, take it with you where to class if you're if you're doing classes write down like what what weights you did like um there's tons and tons of apps for this like we use what is our strong we use strong so it's an app on your phone you plug in your workout you plug in your reps you plug in your rest time you have the ability to adjust all of those things and it tracks like it gives you like what you last did on that weight like it gives you like a little like blurb of like last week you pushed this much so you have the ability to like pay attention and be like, okay, I know that I did 155 on squats last week, so I, I'm going to up it this week. But however you do it, doesn't matter. Yeah. But start paying attention to it. Start start logging it and use that to build your progressive overload. Tracking your food. Tracking oh your food gosh. is really important. Oh, my gosh. I know, I know, I know people, because I'm there, I was there, I have an issue tracking my food. But it is going to be super important because it's going to tell you where you're wasting your calories, how good your 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 macro breakdown is, and where you're overeating or undereating, and it's super important. And I, we're, we're we are going to do a whole episode on on macro tracking because that's an entire beast on its own. But I want to keep this very simple. If you are new to tracking, just start fucking writing it down just like that just start there again pick up a journal write down what time you ate what you ate and then go from there even like whether it's you've cooked your food somebody else cooked it for you you ordered in like I don't, I don't give a shit just start writing it down because the roadblocks that happen with tracking your food are time it is a little bit time consuming until you get used to it there's the pressure of like being perfect about writing down the amounts that you've eaten um and then and then getting into the numbers of it but you can do those steps individually you can simply start by just tracking like the food that you're intaking without paying attention to the numbers and then you can build into like weighing your food and then you can build into paying attention to the numbers you don't have to go from zero to 60 and by tracking your food, it it brings up all of these things. It makes you more conscious of what you're eating. It makes you um, aware of like your food choices, and it makes you realize like, hey, so I'm starting to understand carbs, fats, and proteins, and I'm seeing that I'm eating primarily carbs. Like because I've written it down, and I can physically see like what my food has been recently, I can adjust for the time coming up. It also gives you the ability to pre-plan. So. It's a whole world, and I know it's scary, and I know there's a huge stigma behind it, but if you start tracking your food, like Mike said, it shows you overeating, undereating, all of these things. It's it's just, I'm, I'm sorry, but it, if you are really paying attention to things and if you really want to make a difference, like this is where it starts. And I encourage you to just start easy because it is a daunting task. It is. 
And we still feel it. Like, and, I know. And it's scary, right? Like, it, it's just, like, adding that weight to the bar, right? Like, it's pretty scary. Mm. <laughs> it is It is very terrifying. But that's not to say that it won't allow you to really have those aha moments. It can be, it can be scary if you anticipate it to be terrifying, but it can also be very empowering as well. Totally. And I love I, that. Yeah. Like if you can see the progress in your food journaling and how you're making these these healthy decisions, that can be very empowering and push you further towards success. Absolutely. Don't be there's so much resistance in our lives when it comes to like adding in a new task because we already feel like our day is full. You know what I mean? Like but you you start to build things in. Like at some point you will find those five minutes to do whatever you want to put in those five minutes. You just have to carve out that time on your own. Mm-hmm. So just just start trying. Just start trying. Um, progress. Oh, no, no, no. Progress photos. This is another one that has a lot of resistance for, I guess, the obvious reason. Like a lot of people don't, especially if you're just starting out in this journey, like if you are just starting out in this journey, you're probably not happy with the way that your body looks. And I think like 99% of the population has this like feeling towards their body, body shaming themselves. But the progress photos are there to show you if what you're doing is working or not working. You don't have to sit there and analyze them. But when you take photo day one, and if you do make start making changes for those two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, 30 days, and forward like eventually you're gonna start to see changes they suck to take sometimes but eventually you will get over that roadblock as well but having that like visual compared to the scale because yes the scale is a tool for tracking absolutely but it's simply just a tool and having different tools to track your progress is important and we oftentimes can be very self-critical of ourselves when we're taking our own progress photos. And we oftentimes put the blinders on and don't see anything. In which case, I absolutely encourage you to find someone you trust who's going to give you a more objective opinion. Mm -hmm. Right? Body dysmorphia is a thing. Right? And I, I, I... I can absolutely empathize with those people. I understand where they're coming from. I feel it. I know the struggle. So sometimes having that person you trust look at your photos and be like, yo, you're fucking crushing it. <laughs> totally. And it might not be week like week one to week two. Absolutely not. Like I have a good buddy of mine who is trying to lose weight, trying to get back into shape. And I make it a point. I absolutely make it a point to tell him every week that I see him, whether that is week one or two weeks down the line. I tell him, like, fuck, dude, like, you are looking fucking, like, on the money. Yeah. And whether he believes me or not, that's not on me, but I make sure to empower him. So don't be a dick. (laughs) Like, if someone is undergoing something and you're noticing some changes, embrace that. Enlighten them. Tell them they're doing a good job, right? And if you're that person that someone trusts with with their progress photos, don't be hypercritical. Actually compare and be like, yo, like this person's actually doing a fantastic fucking job. Totally. 
So maybe your challenge this week is tracking. Maybe. There, there was three different places that you could pick up tracking in there. Pick one. I'm not telling you to pick all three. Like, simply pick one because they can all be daunting tasks all on their own. And this is another one where time is going to be the real indicator of this. So it's not going to be something that you can just do for like a week. It's something that you are going to have to do for a few weeks, a couple of months before like you actually see like, oh, this is working. So on to the next active recovery. And I guess this kind of, no. Okay. Yeah. It kind of falls in with neat. Like it kind of, you can kind of lump it in, but. I wouldn't say you can lump it in, but they're like, they're like parallel. They're pretty parallel. They're pretty parallel. So active recovery is one of those things that oftentimes goes forgotten. When people see that they have a rest day in their programming, they think I'm just going to fucking be a couch potato get out of bed late, watch my favorite season of... Shameless. Shameless, (laughs) The Witcher, whatever. Catch up on my Formula One weekend, whatever. But while, yes, like, passive rest days are good and are necessary, we need to keep our bodies moving too, right? One of the the biggest analogies I I, I throw out there um, from a person much smarter than I is motion is lotion. Right? You have to keep moving. You have to keep the body moving, which is why we kind of lump this in with neat, right? Because active recovery looks like doing your steps throughout the day. But maybe it looks like stretching. Maybe it looks like yoga. Maybe it looks like something that is not going to get your heart rate up, but it's just going to keep you moving, keep you pliable, keep those muscles in motion, whether that's through stretching, whether that's through biking, whether that's through walking, whichever one you pick. But active recovery is important. It doesn't need to be super high intensity. Doesn't it's not to, supposed to be high it's intensity. It's not supposed to be high intensity at all. It just gets you moving. Yeah. Gets you outside. Gets you breathing fresh air. Whatever. And I think a lot of the resistance in this topic is when people, again, like you said, like see rest day, they either go like, I'm just going to do nothing today. But the mentality is like guilt almost behind it. Like, I have to do something today. I have to, like, I'm, I'm going to lose all my progress. I'm not burning enough calories. Like... This is like delaying me, but we've talked about it time and time again, the importance of rest and what it does for your body and your muscles and all of these things. So use it as an opportunity to like still get movement in, but keep it with the mind frame of I do need to give my body rest. So I'm, I'm not overloading my body in this day. You can, it like whatever that looks like for you, it, maybe it's doing an activity that isn't on like your programmed schedule, like you can fill that in, whatever this looks like, because there's so many different places that you can do active recovery and different ways that you can do it. But the important thing is allowing yourself to have a little bit of rest, but still doing enough that you're not getting all rusty. Yeah. Allowing yourself to be able to step outside the gym without fucking going into withdrawals, (laughs) but still giving your body some activity. I think uh, Brandon said it best. Like, how many people be like, oh, like, I'll, I'll rest when I'm dead. Like, you don't need to push your body in the gym or running seven days a week. You absolutely do not. Because we don't give our bodies the time to rest and to adapt to those changes. We can give our body 
proper rest, adapt to those changes, and still get movement in if we do stuff that is not high intensity. And the reason why active recovery often gets overlooked is because people see active and they think, well, I just need to lift lighter weights faster, right? And that's that's not it. That, that ain't it. Yeah, that, that ain't it. We're making our bodies tired. We're not allowing proper adaptation. Going for a walk, however, you still burn a fair amount of calories. You get sunshine if you're doing outside during the day. You get fresh air. You help reset your circadian rhythm. What's and, that? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're, especially in, in Canada, where, you know, sunshine is scarce throughout the winter months, but... In the spring and, and summer, you know, if you're getting outside and that sun is beaming down, you're helping mineralize your your skeletal structure, which is super important. It helps stave off osteoporosis, arthritis, all that good, all that shit that leaves us debilitated when we're older. You're such a nerd. I am, but oh my gosh. and on top of that, active recovery helps with mental health by getting those steps in, by getting that walk in, by doing that yoga, by doing that stretching or meditation, you're helping your mental health, which is going to be very important to help keep progress going in the long term. Totally. Last, but definitely not least. Actually, let's go back. So if you're going to challenge yourself this week to, if your challenge this week is active recovery, allowing yourself to have a rest day, but still giving yourself some movement because that's going to put you at ease. Like this is your day. If you are one of those people that feels the need to go to balls to the wall five, six, seven days a week, start swapping in active recovery, find an, an, an exercise, if you want to call it, that makes you feel like you're still moving, but isn't high intensity. So maybe that is a bike ride. I think like, I, I don't know if this counts. I guess I'm going to ask you this question. Like for me, like when I, like, so I do my, I have my scheduled workouts for the week. We threw in a run this week, but I'm playing hockey twice this week. Is that still too high intensity, like my active recovery? Because it's not really along with like my scheduled program. No? No, because I mean... It's still too high intensity? It, it is very high intensity, right? Like road running, like especially on... Oh, I definitely don't count that as active yeah. recovery. If we had walked that 5K, yeah. I would have been like, that's sure. like more. But, but like my but, hockey? But hockey is definitely a workout. Like it's definitely a workout. That's fair. Interesting. Right? But, like, when you say bike ride, there's a difference between, like, a nice, easy, relaxing bike ride and fucking doing hills or trying to, you know, beat your RPMs or, yeah, you yeah. know, like, there, how you approach a bike ride is going to be the difference between active recovery and... Cardio. Actual cardio, not an actual workout. Like, if I'm doing hills or intervals, like, that's not active recovery. Like, I'm working out. See, I... Get, I this is why this conversation is important because, like, this can get a little bit wishy-washy. Like, it's, like, hockey is not in my regular scheduled programming. Like, it's just something that happens when it happens. And I underestimate, like, how – because for me, like, the league that I'm playing in, for me, is, like, not the most intense. But I'm still doing a workout. Like I You're, st you're yeah, still pushing. It's still a workout. You're still crushing it. Anyway, so find what movement is going to – not be high intensity, but still give you that satisfaction if I did something today. Cool. Last but not least, this one is, 
this can fall in a lot of different categories. It's not something that we've talked about. This could be a habit that you instill. This can be a mindset that you instill. But it's something that I recently heard and I just had to slip it in somewhere. So this is where it's going to be. So this one is removing the mindset that you have to eliminate specific foods from your diet and instead changing the mentality to bringing other foods in. So we have heard it all before. I'm cutting out all sugar. I'm cutting out dairy. I'm cutting out gluten. I'm cutting out whatever, whatever that looks like. No carbs or whatever that conversation looks like for you. I'm challenging you to change that mindset to I'm actually going to start including new foods or other foods. And theoretically, what should happen here is because you are bringing in new foods, whether that be your fruits and vegetables or your protein, you're swapping out your carbs, whatever this looks like, bringing in that new food is going to force you to make space for it. And inevitably what should happen is you start to push out those foods that you previously thought you needed to just like completely eliminate. You're just replacing, really. So for me, it's goddamn fucking fruits and vegetables. That being said, I have done this twice now, which is huge for me. Just like cut up a pepper and sat down and ate it. Good. That's my, that like, because I started like playing around a little bit with this. Like how can I like swap foods in versus like eliminating other foods? Um, and my swap in is like vegetables for snacks. So. And we've all met this person. We all know this person that they just, they're, they resort to just cutting things out entirely. And I believe in cutting things out entirely. If you have a certain medical condition. If you have certain allergies or intolerances, absolutely, you're going to cut things out. But just arbitrarily cutting things out because you read it somewhere, I think, is just the most asinine fucking thing ever, right? It's such a, it's so stressful, I find. It is, And no one is ever successful with it. Like, it's not maintainable. It, it, it's, it's not. But, like, you know, you... Yeah, you can substitute foods. Maybe instead of having that bagel in the morning, maybe you just do some toast, right? You're still getting that 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 sensation like you're eating, um, a, a, you know, a more satiating food, a, a hyper palatable food, but you're maybe cutting a few calories totally. here and there, right? Decreasing the amount of carbs and 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 and, and other stuff, but you're still getting that same sensation in your head mm-hmm. but you don't need to cut things out <laughs> yeah this can be as simple as like if you are going out for dinner one night this week like this is super redundant we hear this all the time but like swapping your fries for a salad Shh. and you only have to do it once like it's not saying you have to do it all the time but just yeah. like if you know that you've been slacking on the vegetables just like finding somewhere to like put them in if you have a snack in the middle of the day and typically you're eating dunkaroos and teddy grams do dunkaroos still exist I, I, I don't know. I think our millennial came out on that one. <laughs> I'll be really upset if Dunkaroos don't exist anymore. I don't think they do exist. My childhood is over. <laughs> I mean, I can't eat them anyways, but, like, the thought of them being out in the world just brought me joy and happiness. Like They gone. The, the birthday? What? They gone. 
I'm so sad. <laughs> I'm so sad. There are so many children out there that... There's a whole generation that doesn't know about Dunkaroos. Why would they do that? I don't know. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well. But, anyway, <laughs> g- getting back on that same train of thought. <laughs> I'm not okay. She's not okay. But on that same train of thought, like, if you want potato, right? And potato. Ma- potato. I'm a potato. <laughs> but if you want potato and, you know, maybe fries don't fit into your calorie intake, maybe get a baked potato and the toppings on the side, right? You still get that, that potato, <laughs> like you still get that same sensation. And then you can add as little toppings as you can to keep within your calorie intake. Yeah. Right? I, I like that you keep referencing, like, um, the, the mindset behind, like, eating these different foods. Like, you like if you're craving whatever, like, you still want something that's going to taste similar or give you that, like, crunchy sensation or whatever, like, that texture that you're looking for. Why are you laughing right now? It's like I was a cook or something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it's true. Like, a lot of times you're looking for almost like that like that sensation on your palate or that taste on your palate that you can swap it out for other things um yeah i just i i I, now that we're having this conversation i realize it can be a little bit like wishy-washy but the point is swap things in instead of swapping things out and it's just going to uh, something's got to give somewhere Mm -hmm. um so the idea is that if you start to bring in these foods um, without giving yourself that restricted feeling, leaving you craving all of these other foods, you can still have the other foods. I'm, we're not telling you to not have potatoes. We're not telling you to not have fries. We're simply just saying, like, start swapping in those other foods that maybe you're a little bit more curious about. This could simply be, like, if you are trying to pay attention to, like, your fats and your proteins and, like, those things. Like, instead of eating pork and beef all the time, maybe it just means you're swapping in some, like, t- um, ground turkey instead of some ground beef. Like, that's as simple as this needs to be. Yeah. And, yeah, like, ideally, we want people to go towards the, the leafy vegetables, right? Eat all the colors of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that is the goal at the end of the day. Yeah. And if that is where your palate and your heart sing, I empower it 100%. I am behind you 100%. But if you want to start off, like, small, if you want to make small changes at first before you take that, bigger leap yeah absolutely swap out similar foods cooked a different way to help save those calories right you don't need deep fat fried potatoes air fry air fry bake them mash them put them in a stew lord of the rings fans what's up (laughs) but um you know instead of having a really big thick bagel you go with toast Mm-hmm. You go with a wrap or peat or something, mm-hmm. right? Something similar, but it's going to save you those calories, right? Or, or maybe, if, like, if you still want that bagel, you can have the bagel, but add some vegetables to your bagel. Put some lettuce and tomatoes on there. Hell yeah. Like, we're, we're bringing foods in. We're not focusing on taking foods out. Yeah. And we're bringing in those, like, healthier, quote-unquote, food choices. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all this is. Just 
trying to increase those foods that you do want in your daily menu, um, still giving yourself the foods that you want, but just trying to make them a little bit better. And then once you get used to having those new foods into your diet, then you can start focusing on swapping out the old foods and pushing out those old foods. Like just we're thinking about bringing in, yes, there's the thought of like, oh, this means I'm going to be eating more. But if you get used to having certain foods into your life, inevitably it'll be easier for you to make those healthier choices. And I, I, I cannot stress enough, unless you have like an actual medical condition or an allergy, like you absolutely do not need to completely eliminate like dairy, gluten, Guys, it's not eggs. fun elu- eliminating eggs. It's really hard. It's not fun eliminating eggs. It's, all, it's not fun eliminating eggs. Breakfast is really hard. Yes. But people eliminate these foods because, again, it's that back to that nocebic advice. Like, you have a negative perception of something, so you're going to feel something negative. You're going to have a negative outcome, right? Because they read somewhere that if you eat this, it's going to cause the biggest buzzword, inflammation, which is the most, like, medically and commonsensically, I don't know if that's a fucking word, but, like, medically speaking, like, inflammation is such a broad fucking term. Yes. Like, what does it mean? Just some fucking fitness guru said, like, oh, eating gluten is going to cause inflammation. What does it fucking mean? <laughs> Absolutely. And I, like, th- now we're on a side tangent, but that's okay. Like, there, yes, there are foods that, like, technically bring, like, they cause inflammation like, it, it's it's so broad. It's so big. It's so out there. Like, I was talking to somebody about, um, like, dairy causes inflammation in the brain. And so they have a child who has a lot of, they're having a lot of difficulties with this kid. And so they're trying to find these little things that they can do to help, like, control these things. And, like, their answer, one of their answers was, like, taking dairy out of her diet because they found that it was, like, having effects on her mood swings and those things. Like, I, it, like you said, it's so broad. It's so broad. It's so big and so broad. And, like, unless you have, like, a medical condition diagnosed and investigated, like, why would you put yourself through that? Yeah. And, and like, like, like there are celiacs. There's people who are, who are lactose intolerant, right? There are people with nut allergies. Like, they have to do these things, right? In, in the case of, of, of this child who is obviously having a reaction to said food is because something metabolically, something biologically is not adding up. Yeah. But if you take a glass of milk and you've never been gluten or lactose intolerant and you drink a glass of milk and you're like, I'm farting a little bit extra. That doesn't mean shit. Well, it might mean shit. <laughs> I mean, if, if it comes out of you like a Japanese bullet train, absolutely. But, but that's the thing is like people cut these things out because maybe they had an one negative experience. Mm-hmm. And they cut these things out or because they read somewhere that it causes something, right? Like, if you've never been diagnosed with anything, you do not need to cut things out. Maybe you need to back off a little bit on it. Maybe you need to minimize it and maybe bring in those whole foods, those single ingredient foods to balance things out. Mm -hmm. But again, if something hasn't been medically diagnosed or you don't have an allergy to it, you absolutely do not need to cut these things out, right? And there are papers and studies that disprove all this bullshit that these gurus say, like, you need to cut this out because it's fucking with you. Like, you don't. You don't. (laughs) Yeah, and I, one last 
comment on this because, again, we, we've been ranting a little bit on this. But um, if you are going through, like, an elimination food diet, like, if you're trying, like, food mapping and stuff like that because something is going on, like, you are noticing, like, adverse reactions and you are going down the train of trying to figure out what is causing your GI issues or whatever else it might be, like, that's different. Like, that is, like, that's going down the road of being diagnosed and investigating something. So if you, like, for me, like, I got diagnosed as a celiac and I had to go through eliminating gluten from my, from my diet because for something was wrong. I was not okay. Like, and there's a difference between, like, I'm cutting out sugar because XYZ, whoever said it was bad for me and it was going to cause all these problems. Like, that's different than... I ate, I keep eating something and I don't know what's going on, but like my guts are not okay. I'm shitting my pants. Like, like there's two very different things. And if you're trying to just like work through your journey and figure out like how to make yourself healthier and feel better and like all of those things, like your first choice is not eliminating all of these things. It's like when you start to eliminate these things, it should be because you are trying to figure out what is making you feel like shit. Yeah. And just kind of backtracking a little bit there, like, I know when people think allergic reaction, they think the typical, like, Grey's Anatomy allergic reaction where it's, like, hives and can't breathe and swelling. Yes, that is an allergic reaction. Yes. But if you're eating something and you have, like, instantaneous fucking diarrhea, like, you are shitting through the eye of a needle. Hi. Uh-huh. Hi, I. <laughs> <laughs> if you are, like, v- like, violently vomiting, that is, by and large, an allergic reaction. Like yeah. if your guts are responding to something immediately, that is an allergic reaction. It doesn't need to be the quintessential anaphylaxis where it's like swelling and tearing and eyes puffy and itchy and highs. Like that is, yes, that is an allergic reaction. But also like GI symptoms are an allergic reaction as well. And yes, you need to be, you need to go see an allergist or whatever to help diagnose that. Or you need to eliminate things from your diet and then start reintroducing them to figure out what your trigger is. That is an allergic reaction. But arbitrarily eliminating something because a, a guru said so, like sugar is not going to make you fat. Extra sugar will make you fat. <laughs> gluten gluten won't kill you unless you're celiac. Like, yeah. Gluten might make you feel a little more, bit more bloated because yeah. it takes a little while. It takes longer to process or, or to you know digest in the body. Again, not necessarily an allergic reaction. Yeah, if you've never had a problem with a food before and you just decide to cut it out, the it's it like it's just so mentally taxing. Like yeah. placing those boundaries and those restrictions on yourself is mentally taxing. Yeah. So moral of the story: swap things out. Don't just eliminate things arbitrarily. Swap <laughs> things in. Bring good foods that. in, and let them push out whatever you replace it with like because that's what's going to happen is if you're swapping foods in theoretically you should be taking something out just to like make space for it so hopefully that made sense that was, we, we got on a tangent there uh, I was... <laughs> Woo! Woo! got me talking about the glutens and anywho so those are our five that's five places that could be holding you back through your journey we challenge you to pick one this week hold on to it for a month or two and see what happens. Just try one. Don't don't try all of them. This is a big list. Like uh, this is a big list of fine points that could easily overwhelm you. That could easily force you to feel the need to overhaul everything you're doing. 
We're not saying that. We are simply saying pick one and start doing it. See if it makes a difference. That's that's the goal here is we're trying to figure out what you need in your lifestyle to help you get closer to where you want to be. That's all this conversation is about. We're just trying to give you ideas on ways that you could improve or change or maybe something you're, you're missing that's holding you back. Like we're just trying to give you guys some ideas. These are ones that we found that were really important to pay attention to. There are more out there, but this is where we started. That's all I got. That's all I got too. So yeah, pick one. You don't have to pick all five. Just start with one. Small steps. And I, I hope that you guys see success from it. I empower you guys to start adding a little bit more progressively overload <laughs> your 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 habits and Ooh. Ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> progressively overload your habits and we wish you guys nothing but success. So we're gonna close out this episode and we'll catch you guys on the very next episode of RL Talks. Don't forget to post this on your social media, tag us in it, you'll be entered into our monthly giveaway. And we appreciate it. You guys have no idea how much we appreciate it. And it excites us when we see that you guys are listening. So let us know that you're listening. And we'll chat next week.